Welcome to Foundations, a ministry of Harmony Community Church here in beautiful Harmony, Florida. This is a podcast designed to remind all of us something that we seem to have forgotten, and that is that we are all theologians. The only question is whether we're a good one or a bad one. Believers around this nation are, theologically speaking, a mile wide and an inch deep. We hope to help fix that. What do you believe about God? How do you know it's true? These questions form the basis of what we're trying to do here on Foundations. Ultimately, this podcast exists for God's glory and our good. So let's see everything as God intended for us to see it through the prism of his perfect word. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and let's get to it. All right. Well, here we go again. I didn't realize that intro was that long. Oh, it's a long one. Yeah, we need to cut that. No, yeah, no cut it's that fine. That, that's a, it's a pretty nasty intro. I like it a lot. <laughs> well, we are, uh, we're back at it with another episode of Foundations. Tonight's going to be a bit different. Um, we are hanging out with the youth of Harmony Community Church tonight. Uh, youth, everybody say hi. Hi. Boom. So you're going to hear some, uh, some background chatter and all that good stuff. What we're doing tonight is a bit unique. Um, we're doing an event called Stump the Pastor. Which and, ought to be really easy, by the way. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Uh, but we're doing an event called Stump the Pastor, and what the youth are going to do is they're going to ask some questions uh, to Pastor Danny and see if they can stump him. And these questions are anything that they've come up with over the past couple of weeks. And uh, so I'm excited about tonight. It's going to be a good one. Um, the students will ask a question. I'm going to repeat the question so you, our listener, can hear. And then Pastor Danny is going to respond and interact with the students. Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. You guys ready? Yeah. All right, perfect. <laughs> so who's got the first question? Go ahead. Now look at him rushing up there. Okay. All right, go ahead. Uh huh. All right. So hold on. Oh yeah, sorry. So ahead. the question. Uh, what what's your name, bud? Joseph's sister is gay, and the question that he asked was, "Will she make it into heaven?" Well, it's a it's a good thing we don't determine uh, who who makes it into heaven. So. That's that is not as an overtly simple question as as it might seem like. Um, so if we're looking, if you if you define homosexuality as a sin, which is what the scripture does, okay, but it doesn't differentiate homosexuality from any other sin, right? So it doesn't say this one's really bad, and all the rest of them are bad, but they're just okay. They're not. There's no degree. There's no varying degrees to it. So if the litmus test is for somebody to go to hell or go to heaven that they, they don't have this, then no, that's not, that's not the right answer to that question. The scripture makes it very clear who goes to heaven. Confess and believe, right? Confess that to confess with the Lord, that uh, confess with the mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. All of us sin. I wish we didn't, by the way, I, I, I wish I could go a day without saying, doing, or thinking something that I'm not supposed to. But that is our nature. That is, the, we, we are born that way. Uh, and, and there is nothing we can do about that. So listing, I, you, you, it's a really good question, by the way. I, you, if, you were, if you were to listen to me on a regular basis, I very rarely talk about individual sins. And I talk about sin in general. Because you start talking about individual sins, then what happens if I don't have a problem with homosexuality? Right. If I don't, if I don't, if I don't have a problem with that, then I can't identify with that, and I think I'm okay because I'm not doing whatever that is. And it's not just that one; it's any of them. Right. It, 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 it was easy for me to stand up and say, "I don't understand how people can be addicted to heroin." I've never tried heroin in my life. How do I know I wouldn't become addicted to it? You see, see what I'm trying to say? So the point is uh, is understanding not our actions but our nature. We are born into a nature to do the exact opposite of what God wants us to. All right, every single one of my kids, and you were all the same way when you were their age, every single one of my kids were able to lie to me before they were able to talk, right? If they couldn't talk real good and I asked them if they did something that they did, what do you think they did? They'd shake their head no, right? Now, did I teach them that? No, I taught them the exact opposite of that. Then why is it so easy for, for, for children, especially, to lie? Because it comes naturally to us. 
right? That is our very nature. So I stay away, personally, I stay away from talking about individual sins. Because individual sins are always going to be some people who don't do certain sins, so they're going to think they're okay. Well, as long as we're talking about this one, we're not talking about this other one over here, then that's, that's where it's going to be a problem. So it's not, it's a, it's a relatively simple question, but the, que- the answer is not, I, I think you have to reframe the question. It's not as, you know, what does, is that sin going to keep my sister or anybody else for that matter out of heaven? But is sin going to keep us out of heaven? That's, that's the question, whether it's, whether it's that particular one or any of the other ones. Does that, does that make any sense? Yeah? No? Maybe? Kind of? A little bit? Okay, good. Yeah, excellent. All right, all right. <laughs> all right. And, and by the way, whatever questions you want to ask, feel, please feel free to ask. If it's none of your business, guess what I'm going to tell you? It's none of your business, right? So I'll tell you. I'll answer any question I can possibly answer for you. If I don't know the answer, guess what I'm going to tell you? I don't know the answer. That's exactly right, but maybe I can find out for you. Yes, sir? Ask away. Really? Yeah. So, so the question was, uh, why does God allow bad things to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when we're talking about, you probably, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're probably talking about, you know, severe suffering, maybe even death, right? Especially death for children and, and that kind of stuff. Well, there, there's, there is, that, that's a legitimate question, by the way. And the book of Job, basically that entire book is about the, the answer to that question. The scripture answers these questions. That's the promise that God gives us in his word. What he doesn't promise is that we're going to like the answer. Okay? So I think that's, that's fair when we come to it. He's going to give us the answer to, to these things, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be all that crazy about it. So the, the, the thing behind the thing with your question is, the ultimate question is, you know, why is God so bad that he allows these bad things to happen? What is it in him that, that allows that to happen? Let's look at it a different way. You guys know what perspective is, right? Okay. Hey, you want to hear my perspective joke? You don't, but you're going to hear it anyway. What did the snail say when he was riding on the turtle's back? We. Who said that? Very good. <laughs> Excellent. You are the first person that's ever gotten that. Yes, exactly. Now, to us, the turtle's really slow. To the snail, it's the fastest he's ever been in his life, right? So perspective is absolutely everything. Does anybody know how many people are on the planet right now? Seven billion. Here's, a, here's another one that this probably going to be a little harder for you to answer if you don't know this already off the top of your head. Do you have any idea the number of people who die every year on this planet? It's, let's do it in percentage because the number's not going to mean a whole, whole lot to you. What percentage of people on the planet do you think die every year? Less than 1%. Less than 1%. So if God is such an ogre, why does he let 99.999% of people live every year and only take the lives of that small percentage? You you see, exactly, that's my point, because he's not an ogre. When you look at it from that standpoint, death is just a part of life, right? Right? It is. Pain and suffering is, a, is the part of life. It is, a, it is the great unifier. It is the thing, it is the great equalizer among humanity. Everybody's going to have pain and suffering. God never promises. And this is what the, I think the most interesting part of your question. People are under the impression that God made some sort of promise that he would not allow bad things to happen. God let his own son suffer and die on the cross. That doesn't make him an ogre or a bad person, right? Or bad God. There's always some purpose to it. Whether we see it or understand it or not, it doesn't matter. There's always some, some good aspect to it. So, yes, are there bad things that happen? There are a lot more good things that happen, a way a lot more good things that happen on this planet than bad. And God gets blamed for the bad things, but he never seems to get the credit for the good things, even though he allows 99.9999% of people to live every year. I thought that was really fascinating when I saw those numbers. I couldn't believe it. I, I thought the number was a lot higher than that. So if he's going to get blamed for hurting people and killing people, shouldn't he at least get the equal amount of praise for and thanks for keeping 99.9%, whatever the case may be, for somebody to, for people not suffering, for not, for not dying? So that's, that's, it's the, the answer to the question is, first of all, he never promised that people were not going to suffer and die. 
And the second thing is, in the, in the case of Job, if you read the book of Job, there's always some level of understanding about God that we will get that we can only get through the pain and suffering. When Job lost everything, and he was a man of God, when he lost everything, including his children, at the end of Job, at the end of that book, he said, I had heard of you by the hearing of my ears, but now my eyes see you. This is interesting. A guy who knew God, a guy who, a guy who God actually bragged on, was saying, now for the first time in my life, I really truly see who you are. I have been through some extremely painful things in my life, extremely painful. And I've seen God move during those times in ways that I would not have seen him move if I had not gone through those painful things. So there's always some purpose. I'm not trying to be too mystical here, but it's, it's, there's always some purpose whether we, whether we see it or not. So I don't know if that, that – somebody else had their hand up here a second? Was he want to do a follow-up? No? No? Change your mind? Okay. Oh, hold on. Among other things, yeah. Again, you, okay, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 it's all good. Um, so the the question is, why? what was God's intent in destroying Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah, and, and specifically, was he singling out homosexuality, right? Is that what you're... S- s- I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to put words in your mouth if, if if I'm not if I'm not quantifying your question in the right way. Again, I think you guys ever see the movie iRobot? Okay, do you remember in in uh, when he had to keep asking the questions of the of the hologram? And remember the guy. Remember what the guy said? He said, "I'm sorry, all of my answers have been pre-programmed. Pre-programmed. You must first ask the right question. It's an extraordinarily insightful and smart thing." We got to ask the right question when it comes to things like that. Again, I steer clear. I'm not saying you guys have to. You can do whatever you want. I steer clear of trying to say, does God hate this sin? God hates all sin. He equates stealing a pen from Walmart with child molestation. Why? Because it is all disobeying the only holy being in the entire universe. So when you look at not just Sodom and Gomorrah, but let's take the Old Testament as a whole. If you guys are familiar with the Old Testament in any way, shape, or form, there's a lot of judgment in the Old Testament. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. There's a lot of punishment. There's a lot. Do you know what the main reason for that is? And it, it, it hasn't worked because I look at our culture now and we're not anywhere closer to where we need to be. You know why? It's to show us how devastating and bad sin is. If we don't understand how devastating and bad sin is, we will never see who Christ is, ever. Let me ask you something. Do you, do you, guys, you guys think about, whether you believe it or not, I'm not asking you that, but you ever think about why Jesus died on the cross in the first place? You ever, you ever think about what, what and, and by the way, do you ever think about the manner in which he died on the cross? Right? John the Baptist, did he die? You guys, am I, am I mentioning somebody you guys don't know? John the Baptist was beheaded. Okay, now, if you had the choice between being beheaded or beaten to within an inch of your life with nails and pieces of metal that were ripping open the sides of your body so that your internal organs were being exposed and then hanging on a cross for six hours, which one would you choose? See, I'm going after the chop every time, right? I would much rather be beheaded than I would be anything. Now, why did God not only allow his son to die, why in the world did he let him die so cruelly? Why? Why the viciousness of his death? And it's, it's, it's tied back to the answer to your question. Why did he do that? Why didn't he just let him be beheaded? Get it quick. Get it over with. Death is death, right? John the Baptist died. He died relatively painlessly. Jesus died the most painful way you could even possibly imagine. Do you know what happens to you when you're crucified, by the way? you know what the cause of death ultimately generally is? You suffocate. You suffocate because your body is not designed to be held up by your arms. And when your arms, when your when your body sinks down and it pulls your arms and it pushes your ribcage in and you can't breathe. The only way you can get a breath is if you push up on your feet and take the pressure off of your body. Right? So what happened to his hands and his feet? Well, he had nails in them. <laughs> and the nails were not there to kill him. The nails were there for one reason, one reason only. To call cause excruciating pain. 
He had to choose between suffocating or the pain it takes to push up out on his feet or dangle from his hands. So when you look at that, why would God allow his son to go through that devastating a death? Because sin has a cost. Sin is the single most destructive force in the history of this planet. Every single bad thing that has ever happened, every single bad thing that will ever happen is related to sin. And if we don't see how bad sin is, and that's part of Sodom and Gomorrah, I'll go even one more. There was a, there was a guy named Achan in the Old Testament, A-C-H-A-N, right? They, they, as, the, as the Israelites were, 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 uh, were, were conquering the promised land, God tells them to go destroy the city, so they go destroy the city, and they take, take and he said, look, whatever you do, don't take any of the valuables there. They belong to me. Well, Achan said, ah, I kind of like this stuff, so I'm going to keep it. And so he takes his stuff, and he hides it, and he keeps it. And then the next battle, when they were supposed to win easily, they lost. And about, 20, about two dozen people lost their lives. They couldn't figure out what in the world happened. How did, we, how, did we, how did we beat these guys over here we had no right beating and lose to these guys over here that we should have beaten easily? And God said, because somebody disobeyed me. Achan, to his credit, came forward and said, yep, it's me. I stole the stuff. I shouldn't have stole it. I saw, I coveted, I took, and I hid. That's what he said. I saw it, I wanted it, I took it, and I hid it. That, that, by the way, that's the recipe for sin. Every sin has those same four things. I saw, I wanted, I took, I hid. And when he did that and came forward, do you know what the response of the people was? Do you know what happened to Achan? He was stoned. Do you know what happened to Achan's family? They were stoned. Do you know what happened to Achan's livestock? They were stoned. <laughs> now, you could look at that and say, man, God just went really overboard on this. System. No, no, you have to understand. We <laughs> have to understand how bad this is. Sin is excruciatingly bad, and it has a price to pay. And, and, and Sodom and Gomorrah was designed to show us not that homosexuality was bad, to show us that all sin is bad, no matter what it is. We are dead, was what the scripture says. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. We are completely dead. What can a dead person do? Nothing, exactly. That's why God's grace is what it is. He then bestows life to us by giving us his grace. And the only way we will ever understand, look, we will never appreciate grace unless we understand our sin. If we have a low view of sin, that is, we think sin's not really that big a deal, or the sins that I'm doing or the things that I'm doing wrong aren't really that big a deal, do you need a Savior for that? You don't need a Savior for that, right? But if I understand how bad that sin is, any sin, it doesn't matter. Don't get caught. People think, you think God, you think Jesus died on a cross to change your behavior, to make you a better person? He had 617 laws in the Old Testament that could have made you a better person, right? <laughs> but it didn't work. We couldn't keep them. Because it's not in our nature. He died to make us new people, not, not better people. He did not die to make bad people good. He died to make dead people alive. And that's what we have to understand, that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. So you guys are asking really, really good questions about this stuff. Uh, yeah, go ahead. So, so the question is, if, if Adam and Eve were white, how did these different races come about? Okay, again, let's, let's go back to what I said before. You first have to ask the right question. There is nothing in Scripture that says that Adam and Eve were white. We have no idea. As a matter of fact, my guess is they probably were not white-skinned people. Um, we're not told what color their skin is. Um, but we have no idea whether they were or not. Like I said, my guess is. And by, by the way, all the questions you guys ask me, I, I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to guess. I'm not going to suppose. It always has to go back to God's word. God gave us 66 books to describe who he is and explain who he is. If he left something out of those 66 books, what do you think that tells us? It doesn't really necessarily, it, it doesn't have a lot of impact in our lives. The fact is we're never told that. We're never told how or why he did it. He just simply did it. Um, I don't know is the answer to that question because the scripture doesn't say any answer I give you would be guessing. And I don't want to guess. <laughs> and I, I, I really don't. Um, I just know he did. 
I don't know why or how or what the mechanism was. Um, but, but I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. So yes, ma'am. Well, the question is, why did God give some people mental illness and, and others not? I, can I? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So I think that um, um, th- that's, a, that's a great question. It is a good question. It's a very good question. I, I have uh, some family members who are um, autistic. And I, um, I think you have to, you have to, what drives me crazy is there's kind of like a, a two views in the world, right? Where you look at someone who has a mental illness or autistic or, or on the spectrum in, in any way, and you look at them as, oh, that person's different, right? I, I believe, and I know Pastor Danny would agree with me on this, uh, God gives abilities to everyone. Um, so so my family member who was autistic, God, God gave him abilities that you don't have and I don't have, Right. Um, and so I think that there's a there's a, a way that we need to go about looking at um, mental illness and, and different things that that first and foremost, the root of those things, God has given those people abilities that that others don't necessarily have. My um, Matthew Jr. is his name, and he he is such a sweet, gentle excellent excellent kid and um he he has abilities that god has given him that um he's he's an avid drummer the dude can hammer on the drums like i've never seen anyone play before i can't do that i have no coordination whatsoever right um but but god has given people different abilities and i and i don't call them disabilities because i don't think that they are um i believe that they're abilities that 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 some have and some don't um, and so I think that, I, I think it's a great question. I, I think that we just have to kind of take a step back and, and look at it from a different lens. Um, God is all about his, his glory and our good. And we, we, we have a skewed view of that. And we think that our definition of good is of a normal functioning person who doesn't have any any illness whatsoever, and that's not necessarily God's definition of good, right? Uh, I think I think God would look at um, individuals who, uh, for example, there's a there's someone um, um, I don't want to use her name, but but she has a ministry. She's a paraplegic, um, and she believes that 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 she was was paralyzed for a specific reason to bring honor and glory to God's name. And she uses that to glorify God. Whereas some people might say, Oh, well, you know, how can you glorify God if he's put you in that, in that, in that wheelchair and bound you like that? But she doesn't view it like that at all. She, she genuinely believes that, that she is using that ability to glorify and honor God. Um, despite what others might say about her. And so I think we just have to, it's a great question. I, I love that our country is getting to a place where we're really starting um, to take mental illness and different abilities more seriously. Um, but I don't think that we can look at God and say, you're a bad God because that person is not like me. Um, I think we, we can look at God and say, you're a good God because that person has different abilities than I do. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of it goes back too to to the the presupposition of your question, and that is, you know, okay, you say God God causes or He gives that to them. I'd have to think about that verbiage. I'm not I'm not when when sin entered the into the world, so did illness and sickness, right? And some people were going to get it, and some people weren't. One thing everybody was going to get was death, regardless if they were sick or not. Prior to that, there was, there was not any death, right? Adam and Eve were, were supposed to live forever. So when sin entered the world, like I said, sin is the, is the, is the focus of everything. It is anything bad, including you know, any kind of illness, whether it be mental illness, is all related to that. So again, I would, I would go back and look at it and say, what was God, what's God's promise to begin with? Well, people are always trying to hold God to a promise he never made. If God is such a good God, why does he let people get sick? Nowhere in his word does he ever say people are going to get spared from being sick. 
He never says, he never makes that. Matter of fact, he says the exact opposite. Yeah, you're going to get sick. You're going to suffer. You're going to be in pain. You're going to lose people. You're going to, unfair things are going to happen to you. Jesus said that God the Father allows the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And he lets the, the sun shine on the just and the unjust, which means sometimes he lets bad things happen to people who probably shouldn't have it and good things happen to people who probably don't deserve it. The reality is we all don't, don't deserve it. I mean, that's that's the essence of it. So understanding that these things happen ultimately because of sin, but not because God's up there just you know throwing at the dartboard saying, okay, it's this person's day-to-day, it's this person's day-to-day. The, 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 the Bible tells us over and over again that some good is going to come out of it. Whether we see it or not, that's the key. We look at something like that and we'll say, how could any good possibly come from that? I've seen that in my own life. My brother-in-law, who was really more like a brother to me than, than probably my own flesh and blood brother was, died of cystic fibrosis when he was 22 years old. Good kid. Everybody loved him. He should have lived to be 100, <laughs> uh, but he didn't um, because he wasn't promised that. He was never promised that. I wasn't promised that. You're not promised that. Um, that's the point, is, is that we're not, we're not promised these things. What we are promised is that we, God will never leave us nor forsake us, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how bad they may be, and no matter how painful they may be. So I think that's, that's a part of it, too. Yeah, anybody else? Yes, ma'am. The kid who got the joke right. <laughs> The, so yeah i'm oh, sorry go ahead no, yeah, hey, i keep forgetting listen we're good it's okay uh the question was um dinosaurs what's up with that <laughs> yeah, yeah now that is an extremely <laughs> open-ended question I, you know actually the bible does seem to mention uh where is that uh, it's in job right yep yeah job does happen to mention animals that if you look at the description of the animal, it doesn't match any kind of animal that we have today. And so a lot of people think he was, he was referring to dinosaurs. If you're asking what happened under what circumstances and when all that stuff took place, I will tell you right up front. I have no idea. I really yeah. don't. The scripture. And again, remember what I said, I'm always going to go back to the scripture. The scripture seems to suggest the Bible seems to suggest that there were at least some certain types of dinosaur on the planet while people were on the planet, but it doesn't, and it, it and, doesn't. Yeah, and I think the root of the it. Purpose, yeah. Uh, yeah, again, the root of it. So you have to take into consideration from the from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. What is the purpose of it? Like, what is God trying to communicate? You must first ask the right question. Yeah, right? and and so so dinosaurs just. That's not the end goal. Here. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> you know, they, like, they don't factor into our lives in any right. way, shape, or form. Not to say you shouldn't have an inquiring mind and look at it and talk about it. Answers in Genesis. Have you ever heard of those guys? Answers in Genesis. You know them? Look at them. They do a really good job of explaining all of that. They're a lot smarter than I am. So go to the website and take a look and see what they say about it. And they, they can tie it back to the back to the biblical record as well. So we didn't answer your question. No, we didn't. No, we danced around it because yeah. we don't know because we're stupid but no, when it comes to dinosaurs. Again, so. ultimately, it's just it's the <laughs> yeah. purpose. The purpose of God's word is to give us a better understanding of how <laughs> sinful man yes. is and how, how good of a God is. Yep. he is. All the other let's, stuff. Let's let's go here. That's a good question. Why does God allow people to get sick from COVID when he has the power to stop it? It, it goes back to what I said before, because he never promised otherwise. He never claims that he's, he's going to let. There's this, there's this great story in John's gospel. It takes place at a, at a place called the pool at Bethesda. Okay. So, so, so this mental picture in your head. There are, according to God's word, there's, 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 um, it's where the word where we get plethora from. There's a multitude of sick people there. Now, the reason they're there is because this story had circulated that whoever was sick, that, that an angel would come down and stir the water up. And if you were the first one in the water after the water was stirred up, then you would be healed of whatever you had. Jesus went to this guy who had been infirmed for what? It was like 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. 30 plus years. And he couldn't make it to the water fast enough. Everybody always got in before him. And so Jesus talks to him for a few minutes, asks him if he wants to be healed. The guy says yes. Jesus heals him. 
And then Jesus goes off on his way. Jesus could have blinked an eyelash and healed everybody in that area, but he didn't. Why didn't he? Because he simply chose not to. <laughs> that we, we have to trust that he knows exactly what it is that he's doing. And that, that, is, the, that is the best and simplest answer I can give you. It, it's just it, these illnesses happen. He doesn't promise us that we're not going to get sick. He just promises us that if that happens, he will never leave us nor forsake us. He doesn't promise us that we're not going to die and that we're not going to die young. He just tells us that if we have faith in him and we come to faith in him, that we will spend eternity. God, God is, for, when you're a believer, you know what the scripture says about us? As, if you're a believer on this planet, you're a sojourner on this planet. You're not an inhabitant. This is not your home. You're just here for a little while to do the things that you're supposed to do. But this is not your home. We are supposed to be future-focused in that sense, not, not at the expense of the moment, but understand that, yes, of all the heartaches and all the things that are going to happen to us now, they're inconsequential compared to the things that are going to happen to us in the future. Just uh, malfunction here. Though. Yeah. So I, the, the computer's, about, weirdness to, going the computer's on about to die. So yeah, that's a good question, though. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have no idea, but it's interesting if you, if, oh, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. No, that, that, that again, kind of ties into what she was asking. Yeah. That, that's figurative speech as, as the, or kind of imagery rather, mm -hmm. as would lead us to believe Leviathan would be some sort of monster or, or, or giant creature, yeah. you know, um, like a plesiosaur. Yeah. Yeah. Or the they, Indominus Rex. They, they are, yeah, they yeah. are, uh, they, they are described. Have you ever read it? Have you ever read the, the description of the, of both of them? I, I don't remember that being the case, but I could easily have forgotten that part of it. But it, it is um, it is clear from those descriptions that that at least it seems clear to me. Let me change that. At least it seems clear to me in those descriptions that the animal that is being described there is not something that we're familiar with today in any way, shape, or form. It talks about having scales like a dragon. It has you know all that kind of stuff. So it's 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 uh, we don't know. There's the short answer. I'm giving you a long-winded version of it, but we don't know. But that's the insinuation, is that it was some creature that could have been a dinosaur. But again, we we don't we don't want to. You heard the old saying about you know missing the forest for the trees. We don't want to. We don't want to get so bogged down into ancillary things that we miss the overall purpose of what God's word is. It's not to describe everything. You guys realize that, right? It's not a book. It, it has science in it, but it's not a science book. It has history in it, but it's not a history book. It's, it's a book of faith. It tells the story of the gospel. It tells the story of us and, and the journey we need to be on and one of faith. That's ultimately what the book is. It's got a lot of cool stuff in there, but it doesn't explain everything, not by long shot, because it was never designed to do that. It was nobody, it was, that was never the, uh, never the case at all. Yes, ma'am. That's a good question. Uh, that's a really good question. Go ahead and repeat that. So one. the question was, if, if a kid dies at a young age, can they, uh, will they go to heaven? Anytime you ask the question about a specific person, type of person, or group of people that are going to heaven, the answer is going to always be kind of similar. That, that's really up to God. It, it really depends. I had to give you an example. I was a Navy chaplain for 20 years, right? So I spent 20 years in the Navy. Um, when, um, what, was the, what was the last, uh, what was the last um, shuttle thing, the, the one that exploded over Texas? What, anybody remember which one that was? Uh, that was, was uh, Columbia. Uh, is it Columbia? My my boss was actually invited on Larry King's show and asked that no, question, Challenger. that very Challenger. same. No, Challenger was the one in the 80s. Uh, Columbia, is the, it was the later one. Okay. Um, and my boss was asked um, to oh, it, it'd be interviewed by, uh, by, uh, by Larry King. He asked that very same question. Are the astronauts that were on the Challenger in heaven today? Now I'm glad he was on that show and not me because that that would have you know that would have been a, a very difficult question to answer. But I thought he did a really good job. He said I, he said Larry I can't answer that question. Faith is something between that person and God. It is not there is no generic thing. Here's again we're gonna tell you every single answer I'm gonna give you is going to be tried to be related back into scripture. You guys know the story of David at all? You're familiar with with David? David commits sin with Bathsheba. Uh, she's a married woman. Um, uh, she has an, he has an adulterous relationship with her. She, uh, she gets pregnant, uh, with a child. Uh, her husband is one of his soldiers. He's got to get rid of this guy. So he actually basically has him murdered to hide his adultery. 
right? So then when she has the baby, his priest Nathan comes up and says, you know, when your wife gives birth to this baby, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you this, but uh, he's not going to make it. He's going he's gonna to die. And so that's exactly what ended up happening. The baby was born, got sick, and it died. David said something really interesting after he died. He said, he can't come to me anymore, but one day I'll go to him. It's interesting, isn't he? He's talking about after he dies and when he goes to heaven. So David at least had a sense that his child was going to be okay. Now, what I don't know is, what did he base that on? Yeah, That's what I don't know because the scripture <clears throat> doesn't tell us that. People in the Old Testament, people in the New Testament, and people today are all saved the same way, by God's grace, only by his grace. So the short answer to your question is, and I haven't given you a short one yet tonight, right? The short answer to your question is, it depends. It really, and it depends on a lot of different things. So if you're asking if there's some magical age where kids are, are mm -hmm. a, what we used to call the age of accountability, where they go from not being responsible for their actions to being, I don't see that in Scripture, but that doesn't mean that there isn't some plan in place for God to deal with that. I'm just saying I haven't seen it in, I haven't seen it in Scripture. It's a tough question. It is a very tough question and a very good question. You get good answers by asking good questions, hopefully. Cool. Wonder if it's just that simple. I'll try that tonight, right? I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a god now. <laughs> All bow down. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think it works. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. So that's a great question. That is a good question. You know, someone I, walks away from the faith. Yeah. Who claimed to be a believer so, walked away from the faith, put themselves basically in yeah. God's place. Yep. And does God still? Lover, Lover. Yeah. is that the idea? Okay. So I, I think that um, it's a it's a it's a great question. It is, to ask. yeah, because uh, your friend, by the way, is not the only one. There has been a rash right. of very high profile believers, yeah, people who've been pastoring for years who just recently are walking away from the faith. They're saying that not only do they not want to be a pastor anymore, do they not want to be a minister anymore, they don't even want to be a Christian anymore. They don't even believe that God exists anymore. So they went from telling people about Jesus to saying, the God I've been telling you about all this time, I don't believe he even exists. So, it, so ultimately the question is, is that possible? And if that's possible, how does God feel about it, right? Is that kind of in a nutshell what you're, what you're asking? Yeah. Okay, all right. So I think that um, I, I'll just answer from my personal conviction of sure. what I've read in the Bible um, there are, you, you, there's a litmus test for a, a genuine conversion, right? Um, and, and, and when you are in a relationship with God, it's, it's why he symbolizes it as a covenant relationship, like a marriage. You don't walk away. You don't get to walk away. There's mm -hmm. no such thing as just walking away. Um, because when, when God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy spirit grabs a hold of your life. Everything is different. Everything is different. And, and you don't walk away from it. The Bible is pretty clear that if, if someone walks away from the faith, they were never a part of the faith yeah. to begin with. That's, that's the question. That's, that's the key component to it. It's not a matter of a believer walking away. It's whether they were a believer in the first place. And here's the thing. If you can walk away, really and truly walk away, then you weren't a believer to begin with. Yeah. So either that person, either she will be brought back into the fold, she still belongs to God, and she's just kind of a little confused right now. Is wondering, and God will, God will bring her back, or she never belonged to Him in the first place. That Paul wrote in his in one of his letters. I wish I could remember which one it is right off the top of my head. He gives this list of people that were going to be in the church in the end times, and he says they're going to be liars and idolaters and adulterers and all of these horrible things. And then he says, and they will have a form of godliness, which is interesting, isn't it? They will have a form of godliness, which means on the outside. They'll look like everybody else who was a believer, but they're really not because they were all of those things to begin with. Yeah. That is that is it more times than not. Are there people who, for lack of a better word, walk away and God brings them back? What is the single most precious thing that God can give you? He, salvation. That's the single most precious thing in the universe is salvation because it gives you peace. It gives you forgiveness of sin. It gives you grace. It gives you all of these things. Why in the world, if God is sovereign... He's all-knowing, all-loving, and he's giving you this great gift. Why would he choose to give it to somebody that was going to turn right around and throw it back in his face? 
Well, he wouldn't do that, obviously, because he's a little smarter than that. So if you can walk away from truly walk away from it, then then you weren't a believer in the in the first place. I, I remember this um this story, this uh this guy, he's an apologist. His name is Frank Turek. Um, and you can look him up. He's got a ton of YouTube videos. And this girl goes up to him in one of his his uh, seminaries and um, or seminars rather, not a seminary, a seminar. And she uh, she says, uh, "Will God accept me into heaven?" And he's like, "Okay, um, what do you believe about God?" Well, I don't necessarily believe God exists. Okay, why don't you believe God exists? He di- she dives further into that. Do you like God? No, I don't like God. In fact, I don't like God at all. I hate God. So then his question was. Why do you think then that a God who is holy and pure would want someone in his presence who absolutely despises him? Why? Why do you think it, it's, again, it's the same concept of marriage. Why would anyone want to be married to someone who cannot stand that person? It's not going to happen. Yeah. You know? And, um, and so, yeah, I, I, again, the Bible is very clear. If, if you walk away from the faith, you are never part never of faith to begin, to begin with. with. Yeah. Um, All right, yeah. who have we not called? Oh, yeah, oh, we yeah. haven't called on her yet. No. The question was, why would God allow these wars to happen? World War One, World War Two, yeah. Desert Storm, yeah, yeah. Having been somebody who's been in three of them, I was in Desert Storm, Iraqi Freedom, and and Enduring Freedom. Uh, it's a it's a legitimate question to ask. Um, again, he he never says that he's not going to let that happen. Okay, he even says Jesus says in 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 his lifetime, you're going to hear about wars. And rumors of wars. But don't let that upset you because I'm still on the throne. In essence, that's what he was saying. You still have to you still have to trust me. The reason all of these bad things happen is sin. That is ultimately the reason why they all happen. Why doesn't God stop all of these bad things from happening? Because he never says he's going to stop all of these bad things from happening. He doesn't. Somehow he's going to get the glory for this. And that's the point. So it's really difficult to look at something like, say, the Holocaust and say, okay, God, how in the world would you be glorified by something like that? That's a legitimate question. We may never see it this side of heaven, right? So we either we have, we have one of two choices. We can either say, God, we think you're lying to us. Or I don't see what you see. I will never see what you see. And so I just, I just trust you. There was, a, there was an interesting conversation Jesus had with his disciples and he was talking to a large group of people, his 12 disciples, and then another group of people called disciples. And this is what he said to him. You can have no part of me unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> and so now this was right after he fed the 5,000, right? When he had the miraculous feeding of 5,000 people and out of just a handful of food. And then when he was done, he started teaching them. And he said, you can have no part in me unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, the people were listening and thinking, thinking that's kind of gross, right? Not only is that gross, it's against the Jewish law that says you're not supposed to eat anything with blood in it. And so this man says, one of them, one of them says to him, how can this man give us his flesh? In other words, they went to him and said, I want you to explain this further. You know what Jesus did after that? He didn't explain one single thing to them. He quadrupled down on it. In the next paragraph, he said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, eat my flesh and drink my blood, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And in case you didn't hear it the last three times, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And when they heard that, the scripture says, I think it's John chapter six says, and from that point forward, many of his disciples left and never followed him again. Now, not the 12 disciples. These were other people that kind of thought he was pretty cool and liked what he was saying. But when the teaching got tough, when a question was asked that didn't make any sense to them, so they heard something that didn't make any sense to them at all, they then moved. They were out of there. Now, what's interesting is he then asked his disciples a question. And he said, are you two going to leave? Now that you've heard this crazy talk about eating flesh and drinking blood, are you going to leave as well? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the answer.
to life and death, and we've also come to believe that you're the Messiah. You know what he didn't say? He didn't say, Lord, we got you with this eating flesh and drinking blood stuff. Yeah, we know. We got it. We understand completely what you're talking about. They had no idea why he would say such a crazy thing. Now, 2,000 years later, we know what he meant by that. Right? We know that he was talking about um, uh, communion and that kind of stuff, right? The idea of, of, of the elements of, of the Lord's Supper, communion, whatever, whatever terminology you're familiar with. But at the time, they had no idea. See, that is the essence of faith. C.S. Lewis said one time that faith is like a rope. And he said, as long as we're using that rope just to tie up an old trunk, we're, doing, we're pretty good. We got a lot of faith in that rope. But if that rope is keeping us from dangling over the side of a cliff, we're going to wonder whether we not really have any faith in that, in that rope at all. That's the point. It's easy to have faith when things go exactly the way we want them to go. It's easy to have faith as long as things are completely understandable to us and we can, we can wrap it up with a nice bow on top and say, God, I completely understand what you're doing here. I got it. True faith. The ultimate faith that I want in my life is when I don't understand one stinking thing he's doing and I'm still able to say, Lord, your will be done. Whatever that is, I don't understand it. I'm like, the, I'm like Peter, where else am I going to go? You alone have this. And so, yeah, with all of these difficult questions, I hope you guys will see this. That, that's, that is, it may be an intellectually unsatisfying answer, but spiritually it's an extremely satisfying answer. Do you trust him or do you not? That's ultimately what it comes down to. Do I trust him? And I, I dare say, trust isn't trust when everything's going your way. If everything's going exactly the way you want it to go, how much trust does it take for that? Well, yeah, that doesn't take any trust. It's all going exactly the way we want it to. Trust is when everything is going left when you want it to go right. And everything is going up when you want it to go down. And when you expect this to happen and something else that's the exact opposite happens, that's when faith and trust really kicks in. And God is still the same God as he was when everything was going great. But we have a tendency to forget that a lot of time. We have a tendency to think, okay, when this bad thing's happening to me now, God's mad at me or he doesn't like me or he's punishing me and all this other stuff. And that's the cool thing about Christianity and our sin. Remember we talked about this whole thing keeps going back to sin ultimately. That's the cool thing about it. Jesus paid my, my sin debt, he paid for my sin. That means when I do something wrong now, when I say, do, or think anything that could be rightfully considered a sin, do you realize I will never be punished for that? Ever. Never. It has already been forgiven. When he died for me, he died for every sin that I had ever committed, every sin that I will commit today, and every sin I'll commit until the day I draw my last breath on this planet. He does not, he is not angry with his people. <laughs> He's not. He loves his people. Romans chapter 3 tells us that when we come to faith in him, the righteousness that belongs to Jesus is placed on us. You guys watch Harry Potter, right? Read the books or watch Harry Potter? Yeah, cloak of invisibility, right? Think of it like that, except this is a cloak of grace. When I come to faith in him, no matter what horrible thing I might do, when he looks at me, he sees his son. How cool is that? And that's what this is all about. That's what's so important about all of this stuff. And that ultimately is what, what feeds into it. Did you have a question? All right. Yeah. We, we got one, one. We'll take one more, and we got just a couple more minutes. and we have. To oh, is that up. it? Yep. Oh, man, we're zipping right through yeah, this thing, aren't we? Through. Yeah, go ahead, because we had not called on you yet, so go ahead. Yeah, I guess the scripture doesn't say that, but it, I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense. Um, I think one of the questions, one of the questions we had that was written, that was submitted said, why did people in the Old Testament live so long? One of the reasons I think, I don't know for sure. One of the reasons I think people lived so long then is because they had to populate the earth, right? You only had a very small number of people and they had to be fertile for a long time in order to populate the world. Could that factor into that? It's, it's certainly possible. It, scripture doesn't say that, but it's, it's certainly possible. It makes a certain amount of sense. So, yeah. What, how much more time? Are we okay to take one more? Okay. Uh, who hasn't asked one yet? Does anybody have one that hasn't asked a question? Bueller? Bueller? All right, we'll take you one yeah, more. last one.
Hmm. You're gonna answer, re-answer the question. Ask the question. So the the question yeah, is we had to end on this one. Right? Yeah, <laughs> Miss Lisa's like yeah, we're we out of time. Had a couple more minutes. Yeah, we're out of time. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, um. So so really, the question is, um. If if people are born gay, why does God punish them? Right? Would that be okay? okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's let's. We, we could talk an awful lot about this. And again, we're kind of we're kind of drifting off into specific sins, which I try not to do because anyway, I've already explained that. God doesn't make anybody sin. So if homosexuality is a sin, and scripture says that it is, along with lying, along with adultery, along with stealing, along with every other thing that we do, that's why I don't like I don't like picking out that that one in anyone particular sin. But if that's the case, we do that because it comes naturally to us. It's not something that he gives us. It's something that we choose. And we all have, we all struggle with different things, right? I might, I might be a chronic liar, right? And you might not struggle with lying at all. You may be, you may find lying so morally reprehensible that you completely stay away from it as best you possibly can. Now we're not always going to do that. So when somebody sins in a different way that we do, it's just a different kind of sin of the struggle that we've already got with something else, right? So you can really take homosexuality and replace that with any sin and say, why does God give us that sin? Why does God make us sin here? God does, again, the scripture makes it very clear. We have to be really careful not to make God the author of sin. He's not crazy about that uh, because he's not. He's the exact, it's the exact opposite. There is sin in the world and it manifests itself right? It manifests itself in different ways with different people. Some people, it's, it's homosexuality. Some people, it's lying. Some people, it's with drug abuse. My dad died when he was 46 years old. 46. That, and you know what he died of? He died of alcoholism. So he drank himself to death in 46 years. Now, I don't have a drinking problem, right? So I could look at it and say, hey, I'm good, right? No, I'm not good. <laughs> Just because I don't have the same problem that he had doesn't mean that I don't have my, my set of issues. So again, if we expand our thinking and going from specific sins to sin in general, God doesn't cause anybody to sin. He doesn't make them sin. We are born with the propensity to sin, and it manifests itself in different ways. He gives us a way for them to be forgiven. That's the cool part. That's the that's the right question, right? You've, you must first ask the right question. That's the right question. What is he What is he going to do about it? What, that's what he did on the cross in the empty tomb, right? Was to forgive that sin. He doesn't make us sin. He doesn't cause us to sin. He doesn't. That is our. That's a sin gene. We have Adam and Eve to thank for that. That sin gene is passed on to every single one of us, which is why, again, when you guys you got you guys you're not going to think about this now, but maybe one day you will when you have kids of your own. If you don't think there's any that, that sin that the original sin exists, wait till you have kids. You're gonna find out <laughs> that original sin. It, yeah, it is a it is a it is in our nature to do that. So I would challenge all of you: stop thinking about sin in in a narrow, specific way with one particular sin, because I, none one's not better, worse yeah. or better than the other. But I, I'll say this. Um, Satan was subtle in the garden and he's subtle today, right? God has over, over creation given man promises, right? And, and Satan has consistently and persistently taken those things that God has made good and corrupted them. Okay. When you look at like the LGBTQ movement and, um, the the symbolism of that Let, let's not forget that god promised man and, and and the promise to man from through the rainbow was that he would not flood the earth again but why did he do it to begin with because the earth was sick and wicked you had canaanites who were ripping children apart like brutally murdering people and raping and pillaging and disgusting vile to the point where God was, it literally says in the Bible, he regretted that he even created man. Like that, that is how wicked man is. And so I think that, I think that we, we need to take a big step back and remember that, that God never intended it to be this way. Mm -hmm. He didn't. 
He intended us as humans to walk in order and alignment with him and be pure and holy as he is pure and holy. But Satan is subtle. That's why he said in the in the garden, did God really say that? Yeah, that, that to me is one of the most, yeah. You guys realize that? The entire fall of the human race came after four little words. Did God did really? Did God really say? Yeah. And that so, was it. That's all it took. And so when we, again, as Pastor Danny is saying, like when you, when we kind of idolize these big things, we really need to take a step back and realize how bad it's gotten. It's not the LGBTQ movement. It's it's not abortion. It's not the 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 pornography industry. Like those big things aren't the problem. The problem is man is wicked yeah. and sinful. I am wicked and sinful. Pastor Danny is wicked and sinful. But the good news is that Christ paved the way for us to be found in him. And as he was saying earlier, clothed in righteousness. His righteousness, if we are in him, is imputed to us. That means it is it it belongs to us, given freely to us because of nothing that we've done to earn it, but all because of what the son accomplished for us. So God is not punishing the LGBTQ movement. He's not punishing um, people in, in uh, across the world for 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 any specific sin. God in in His goodness and kindness. Uh, one of my good friends he he paints this imagery, and I love it. On on one hand, Jesus is 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 holding us up, and on the other hand, He is stopping God's wrath from being poured mm-hmm. out on us. Yeah. Like that's that's the image of the cross. One side of it, he is he is withholding God's wrath and he's taking all of it for us. And then on the other hand, he is holding us up. And 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 so we have to remember that when we idolize specific sins, we're doing just that. We are idolizing specific sins. And he never intended for that to be the case. He wants us to understand that we are sinful people, period, but we have a, a good and kind and gracious Savior. And so it's not, again, it's not idolizing or, or, or saying, why is God punishing those people who, who, who are, are, are homosexual? It, it's, it's man is wicked and sinful, period, right? I have a, I have a good friend of mine who has been, been struggling with a specific sin for his entire life. His entire life. Does that make him any different because of someone who's in the LGBTQ movement? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so again, culture will tell you that God hates these people and that's what you need to cling to. And that's not the case at all. It's not true. It's not true at all. And so, but again, God has over time given man promises and covenants. He made a covenant with us that he would never flood the earth again that he wouldn't destroy it. No matter how bad it gets, I'm not going to destroy it again. And it's gotten pretty bad since that point in time. But he's not. And so you you have movements who try to grab on and take what God has made good and corrupt it. And that's what Satan has done yeah. persistently throughout and, all of time. And, and I agree. He's 100% right. So in, instead of thinking in terms of a specific sin, what about these people? What about that pe- person? What about this particular sin? Think about the destruction of sin as a whole. What it does, it separates us from God. It, it it's it's a it's an it's an outcropping of our unholiness. I mean, my goodness, Peter dropped to his knees and told Jesus, "Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man." Because Jesus made a miracle that had a bunch of fish. Yeah. Now you think in the grand scheme of miracles. That pales in comparison to raising people from the dead and walking on water and all of the other things that he did. All because Peter saw the miracle of, of this fish, what became what happened was he saw how holy Jesus was. And the moment he saw how holy Jesus was, his sinfulness came rushing to the yep, surface. Absolutely. He dropped to his knees and he said, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said, what? He said, I will make you a fisher of men. Yep. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to save you. Last That's question. That's what it's all about. Miss Lisa. I want to quickly respond to this question. Does God love everyone that they're Depending on your definition of love, yes. Um, in, 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 Romans, in Romans chapter 9, 
Paul quotes God in the Old Testament saying, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. So you, you didn't ask a quick, set, quick answer question. Yeah, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't. It, it's much more complicated than that. Uh, and really a good subject to get into next time we yeah, have exactly. uh, Stump the Pastor. Um, yeah. So, so I think that uh, I think that's a great question, and yeah, it's a loaded question. It is. It is. A, it time. is. A, it is a good question. It's a bit, one of the most misunderstood aspects of God's. Yeah, who's <laughs> FaceTiming? <laughs> misunderstand aspects of God's uh, character, but it's a, it's a good question. I think again, guys, you 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 just have to remember when it comes to these these questions. You can find the answers pretty clearly in the Bible. Uh, that's why he gave us the Bible. It is God's word for our good and his glory. Um, and and a lot of people will be like, well, it doesn't talk about this, doesn't talk about that, blah, 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 blah. Uh, every Everything you need to know pertaining to life and godliness can be found in the Bible. Yep. Everything you need, how to manage your time, how to manage your finances, how to deal with people and relationship with people, all of it can be found in God's holy word. Yeah. You don't have to wonder about who he is. You don't have to guess who he is. You don't have to do it. He gives us all of that information. Yeah. So, well, let me tell you, you guys ask really uh, amazingly good questions. Uh, keep that up because you get good answers when you ask good questions. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that's it for today's episode of Foundations. Pastor Danny, thank you so much. Yeah, that was fun. a lot of fun. Yeah. Did. did you guys have fun? It. All right. Yeah, yeah.